certainly one of the most difficult subjects that the church has to address and has been addressing repeatedly is the issue of homosexuality. What does the Bible really say about sexuality and more specifically about homosexuality? It's true to say that the term homosexual doesn't come up in the Bible. It's a modern term, just as the term lesbian doesn't come up in the Bible either. And it's also true to say that the Bible says nothing about sexual orientation. This is also a modern psychological way of framing a discussion about same-sex sexual activities and attitudes not found in the Bible. So, does the Bible have nothing to say on this subject? In fact, it has quite a lot to say. The focus of the Bible, when it's talking about what we call homosexuality or lesbianism, is on behavior. Behavior, not inclinations, not tendencies, not orientations, not a general state, not a lifestyle, but behavior. And what the Bible says about homosexual behavior is pretty clear. It says same-sex sexual activity, whether it's between two men or two women or even more, is forbidden. It's forbidden in the Levitical Code in the Old Testament and several other places in the Pentateuch. It's very clearly forbidden in the New Testament, both directly and indirectly. In Paul, it's, it's clearly uh, said to be inappropriate behavior in Romans 1, 18 to 32. He also says in 1 Corinthians, uh, it's inappropriate behavior. He listed as in a list of things that are sinful behavior that could even exclude you from the kingdom of God if you behave this way. So there are some very strong warnings about this kind of behavior. In addition to that, there's the indirect evidence. When Jesus is asked, how is it appropriate for people who are your disciples to relate to one another, he gives us exactly two options, fidelity in marriage and celibacy and singleness. Read Matthew 19. It's pretty clear. The only alternative to heterosexual monogamy, a man and a woman being married in God, is singleness for the sake of the kingdom. In fact, Jesus is so emphatic about that he, that he calls this singleness for the sake of the kingdom being a eunuch. Now, everybody in the ancient Near East knew perfectly well about eunuchs. Eunuchs were incapable of coupling with other human beings. They had been rendered that way. And Jesus even uses the technical language. He says there are some that are born eunuchs, some that are made eunuchs by other people, and some who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, whether you think Jesus is talking literally or not, as some church fathers did think he was, the truth of the matter is, is he's ruling out any kind of sexual activity out of heterosexual monogamy. That is really not all that surprising. This is a common early Jewish point of view, and it's a point of view reaffirmed by Paul and other early Christians. That's how, in the, its original context, it was understood. Now, what is the fallout from that factual reality for the way we read the Bible. Well, let's talk about several things. Um, what we call homophobia today, that is the stigmatizing and fear of homosexual persons simply because of uh, what we would call their gender orientation, I would see as a sin. God loves everybody, he just doesn't love their sin. And one of the sins that one can commit is treating one group of sinners somehow as worse sinners than everybody else. This is morally wrong, and it is a sin to treat gay and lesbian people as if they're some kind of lepers. 
When I've given this sort of discussion before uh, university campuses like at Vanderbilt, when I've done this with Amy Jo Levine, one of the things I said once to the head of the Lambda chapter at Vanderbilt, uh, when he asked me, would I be welcome in your church? I said, of course you would be. You're welcome to come as you are. It's just that with you and everybody else, I'm going to say, you're not welcome to stay as you are. All of us have to repent of our sins. I will be an equal opportunity critiquer of all lifestyles that the Bible says are inappropriate. Inappropriate behavior is where the rubber meets the road with this. It's not, it doesn't have to do with what are your inclinations. All of us have inclinations, some of which are healthy and some of which are sinful. That's not where the real issue lies. The issue lies in the Bible with behavior. So I say, come as you are. You're welcome to come as you are. I'm not going to single you out. You don't deserve to be singled out. But everybody who sins is going to be called to repentance and should be called to repentance. You should be an equal opportunity critiquer of all human sin. Now this is a difficult issue because for one thing, we don't know things like, are there genetic tendencies towards gay and lesbian behavior? So far, the medical or biological evidence doesn't suggest there are, but it might be so. After all, we're all fallen human beings. We don't know why we have orientations the way they are. Is it more nurture? Is it more nature? We can't be sure about this, but what we can be sure about is what kind of behavior is said to please God and what kind of behavior, when it comes to sexual behavior, doesn't please God. Here's what I would really want to say most. Within my own Methodist tradition, we, uh, if we didn't ordain sinners, we wouldn't have any ordained ministers of any kind. So if a person of whatever orientation sexually is prepared to be chaste in singleness or to be faithful in heterosexual monogamy marriage, then they can be candidates for ministry. We don't rule them out just because their particular inclinations are different from some other kind of uh, particular inclination. I think that's gracious. I think that's fair. I think that's where the church should stand. I think that's what the biblical evidence allows us to say. We love everybody, we just don't love their sin. And we're not going to baptize anybody's sin and call it good just for the sake of some kind of pressure from culture or cultural realities that we're facing now in a post-Christian culture. It's a difficult issue. Difficult, different Christians can disagree about some of the parameters of the discussion. But what the Bible would have us know is fidelity and heterosexual monogamy and celibacy and singleness are the gold standard for those who want to be New Testament Christians.